Hey, Tim, and welcome to the show. I am so excited to meet you. You have such a fascinating story, and I hear you were known as the message man. Tell me a little bit about that and how that got started. Well, thanks, Aurea. That's a, it's an interesting uh, question to start with. It, it came out of the idea of doing this podcast and that came out of my book that I had come out recently called Mind Your Message. And it more or less goes through what I learned over a career in marketing, uh, primarily being a copywriter, but wearing many different hats under that big umbrella we call marketing. That included, as I said, copywriter, which I still do today, a lot of, a creative director in an ad agency, a marketing director in another global company and a account director on an account for the uh, package goods giant Unilever when I worked in New York for AOL Time Warner. So I've been around. I'm not sure if I should have been wearing all those hats, but I did. It was terrific experience. It was terrific exposure to so many facets of marketing. Um, and to, like I said, to which today I still do a lot of copywriting. Um, I ended up going into marketing back in, I'm not going to tell you how many years ago, it was a few, um, uh, starting in an ad agency as a copywriter, uh, worked my way up. They made me, um, this was in Austin, Texas. Uh, they made me creative director after two years. I was the youngest creative director in town, which was an honor by itself. Although anybody who's been around the ad agency business knows that it is crazy hours and then it gets crazier. It is terribly difficult day after day after day, 12, 14 hour days consistently. And as you just accept it. Um, from there, I, the Texas went into a recession in the mid 80s, uh, stretched into the mid, uh, late 80s, uh, which was when my wife and I happened to get married. We chose the, the, the uh, time when jobs were, were not as plentiful as they once were. And I was looking for work at the time. I had sent, I'd been looking through a trade magazine, Advertising Age, and I saw an ad that said, uh, solid writing experience, solid marketing experience, and knowledge of golf. I thought it was blind. I didn't know who it was. I Golf, I played golf since I was eight or nine years old. I'm an avid golfer. I love the game. I thought I got to apply for that and find out who it is, maybe. So I sent it in. I didn't even think about it for 30 days or so. Um, and I got a call. This is so-and-so at Golf Digest Magazine in Trumbull, Connecticut. I thought, Trumbull, Connecticut. Well, I've not been there before. Uh, within two weeks, they flew me up there. We did an interview. Uh, did another one. My wife went up to see what Trumbull, Connecticut was like. and. Um, uh, needless to say, I was hired. I was a uh, creative services director there for eight years, worked directly with the national sales staff. And I actually taught them a few things, um, which was very rewarding. Uh, from there, I went into, um, uh, went into something entirely different after being in golf because I wanted international experience. A friend who I'd made during my years at Golf Digest, as like I said, the creative services director, um, had suggested a company, which, like I said, was entirely different uh, industry. Um, I hated leaving golf, but I wanted the international business experience. 
So I went with a company that is in shipping logistics. They ship uh, containers, shipping containers all over the world. Happened to be the biggest one in the world called Transamerica Leasing at over a million containers worldwide. I was in Europe extensively. I was in Asia um, uh, because the company was going through a big, big change of changing from one name, umbrella name for everything to seven different divisions. So I managed a big trade show we did from there. Uh, went through layoffs. Big company bought them out, went through layoffs, uh, was eventually hired by a company who was going through their own changes. Um, and again, I was applying and learning all this marketing knowledge, which was, um, which was terrific. It was, it was varied. Uh, the guy who hired me, they had me on for a couple of years. They had to cut back. So I went through yet another layoff. Um, difficult adjustments to have to make. Two kids in school. Um, and my wife was working full time. We, uh, but I adjusted, he happened to know a guy in New York who hired me at AOL time Warner. I became account director on the Unilever business. Um, that's endless meetings with brand managers. That's exactly, that's what the job was. How many meetings do I have with brand managers today? You have three. Okay. So we went and did that, but again, learned an awful lot, uh, from that experience. Um, it was then that, uh, night, or let's see, it was 2012. My wife came home one day and we went through a very serious change in our lives. Um, she was soon diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. Um, it was, um, needless to say, a very difficult news for us to handle. Um, she was the bravest person I've ever seen. She didn't want to see, she knew that I didn't have a, a very good, a very uh, easy time going into hospitals, regardless, let alone my wife is the one in there. And uh, so we, we, we went through that. She was, she put on the brave face. We had people, I had people telling me, we thought she beat it somehow with her attitude, the way she was with everybody. Literally, Four days before she died, she had probably eight or nine friends up in the hospital room with her and, and people who reported to her at work. It was two weeks before Christmas. And she was um, handing out orders as she did very well and telling people they got to take care of this, got to take care of that. Um, they were all amazed. I mean, it wasn't like uh, she was a, a, someone in bed for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, so in some ways I've told people that even though we went through that for three years, it was like a sudden death because it wasn't like she was laying in bed sick because of her attitude. Um, anyway, uh, needless to say, we, I don't have to share what the outcome was. It was, um, a, a bitter, bitter pill from me and I, my two sons who were in their early twenties at the time. Uh, one lives in Korea, still, still does live there. Um, but I learned some lessons from her about that there are good points, times in life, and there are very, very difficult ones. Um, I had to make a choice after that. Uh, we also, I went through, and, and the boys along with me, uh, we had very good insurance, health insurance, but there are limits on all of it. And we hit all of those limits, and we even got a few snuck in for us. But within a year, 
I wasn't able to hang on to our house or my car. Um, so I hear that expression every once in a while, we lost everything. I've, I've been there. And it was um, uh, a brutal reminder that even after the death of a loved one, the world goes on and you still have to pay bills. You still have to do your work if you're still needing to do that. So the task for me at the time became focus. I was self-employed. I was too old to go back to corporate America. They weren't going to invite me back anymore. That's just a reality. So um, I buckled down and, and I could, my wife's name was Emma. I could hear her. Okay, enough, focus, get the work done. And uh, that inspired me and got me through a couple of tough years. This is all in Connecticut. Uh, where we lived uh, for 25 plus years. Our sons grew up there. Uh, but I had uh, two sisters out of three who lived uh, down where I am now in the, uh, a little town called Horseshoe Bay, Texas, about 40 miles west out in the hill country of Texas, of west of Austin. Um, came down because I needed some family and, and some old friends who I worked with when I was in Austin before. So came back and I have been freelancing as a copywriter uh, that whole time and making the adjustments to, um, I got two grown sons, they're off living their own independent lives as they should be. So I'm living alone and learning some, uh, some new skills about coping and uh, hopefully meeting some new folks along the way, which I have, but um, so there's a, a little bit of my story. And, and now I'm marching into, um, as we talked in the beginning, doing a new adventure of doing a podcast. I kind of always had in the back of my mind, I thought I could be pretty good at that. And um, I'm looking forward to it. And I appreciate your questions. What do you like best about what you're doing right now? What a story you have though, Tim. Oh my gosh, you've been through so much. So what do you like best about where you are right now? Give us some some upbeat that this is where you are and why you love it. Cause you're obviously yeah. doing something that you love and you're good at. Well, it, it, it is, it's, it's very rewarding. Um, writing direct response copy, especially it, it's a tough assignment. I tell people it's kind of like the equivalent of if you're going to give a sales presentation, sit down as the traditional situation is at or across the table from someone. Um, and you have to deliver an entire sales presentation to them without stopping, thinking of all the objections that may come up. You don't have the benefit of reading body language. Do they like it? Are they sitting back? Are they leaning forward? Are they, got, are they smiling? Um, you have to learn how to sell by the strength and the skills that you have to make words very persuasive and, and, and win some of their trust and their confidence of what you're doing. So it's a very difficult assignment when it works, and it, and it usually does, at least after this first try, you test. Testing is really a word in marketing that is underused and undervalued, mostly by smaller companies rather than big companies. They know they have to. But you have to test, but it can be very rewarding. And I still like doing it, um, although there are days when it's, oh, I did 12 hours yesterday on this, and I got to go back to it again now because the deadline's tomorrow. And uh, deadlines are deadlines are deadlines. Mm -hmm. So I do enjoy doing that. Um, I enjoy, I'm not yet a grandfather. Um, 
I'm hoping that that will, day will come, but neither one of my boys are, are married. They're not in a particular hurry um, <laughs> about that. And that's uh, no place for a dad to be sticking his nose in. And mm-hmm. saying, but I, my sisters are all younger than me. And I tell them, gee, I'm glad I'm not old enough to be a grandparent yet. Uh, of course, they all are. And uh, but back to what do I enjoy doing? It's it's mostly it's mostly writing, but it's e- even consulting. And I'll tell you, in going into Clubhouse, uh, the talk social media has been a real eye opener into the power of the voice rather mm-hmm. than texting like most social media. So that's been an eye opener and, and uh, helped me meet some of the people I'm working with to put this podcast together. Who's your favorite type of client to work with? You know, that's a great question. And it's a very important question because great clients, um, great agencies, I should say, who are, or, or people who like me are, aren't necessarily an agency. They're an agency of one, who hires extra help when they need to. But the single biggest factor, I think, in making for someone like me to be able to do great work is a great client who understands this is not something that you pull out of thin air. It doesn't happen by snapping your fingers and wishing and hoping and collecting some words on paper that say, well, here's how to sell what you need to sell. Thank you very much. Here's my bill. You don't work that way. You get to know people. You get to learn about them. Uh, Copywriting, half of it is really a research job. You've got to learn the insights about the products or services that the company has and look for things that most people may not even think of. Why would we tell them about that? You know, there's a quick real story on that. There was, I saw not too long ago, um, back in the 1960s, Budweiser beer, which is now what they call a mega brand. Um, everyone's heard of it. Um, their agency came up with the idea of, you know, how is beer made? Where, what's it stored in, et cetera, et cetera. And they are talking about, well, it's stored in these beechwood barrels for X number of months, whatever it is. And the copywriter says, beechwood, tell me about beechwood. Every company that makes beer uses beechwood barrels, but Budweiser made a big deal out of it and said, Budweiser made in beech wood barrels, whatever, whatever, whatever they did. It caught on. The, the public thought it was something unique. And at that point, no other beer company could say, well, we make it because there's copycat. They would have looked like fools. And it, it, so it, it's interesting. Part of my job is to look for things that other people don't think of as a way to promote someone's product. So it all goes with the territory, but, but it's... Um, it's kind of a, like looking for what's in plain sight that they can. Yeah, where's Waldo? Yeah, <laughs> that's a challenge. I, I see three Waldos and you only saw two. That's why I do the research I do. And I didn't mean to rhyme that, but I did, didn't I? <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, and, and so the clients, what is like the turnaround before we, we finish? What's the turnaround? If somebody comes to you for copywriting, what yeah. is like the average time it takes to get that done? If if it's that there's, there's some... Uh, as most things, it depends, uh, like most things. But if I'm writing what's called a long form sales letter, which is we've seen them, or we get them home and we open it up and we see this page after page. And, and, the, and if you're not in the market for that product, the first thought through your head is who reads this stuff? Well, if, if you're not in the market at all, you're not in the right home that went to the wrong home or something. But um, 
So the long, long sales letters, like used to be dominated by the mail. Now they are on web pages where you scroll and you scroll and you scroll and you scroll. Um, and again, people say, who reads this stuff? But the important factor that we know, it's the people who've already decided in their head that they're going to make a purchase. They just haven't decided which one, where. So most cases, they are in, in the state of mind. They're looking for more information to make a decision. And we're going to, we give it all to them at once and give them a reason to buy by the time they get to the end of that letter. Right now, there's no other reasons in their head why they can't do it right now. So that can be 20, 25 pages worth of copy. And that can take, by the time you go back and forth, approve, no, change this, no, change that, approve, no, change that again. It can be easily be a couple months by the time it get, that all goes back and forth. Wow. Because in their first two weeks, I'll probably be doing research and then I'll start writing. So it's four weeks before I give them anything to look at. So it takes, it does take time. So the name of your podcast again is going to be what? It's going to be the, where I wrote it down here. It's <laughs> going to be, I, I wrote it down here. Where'd I put it? Um, Mind Your Message is the name of the book. The podcast is going to be called Your Message is Your Business. And what is the one reason why somebody should tune in to your podcast? What's the one thing that they will get time after time from listening to your podcast? Well, we think that uh, the, the most interesting kind of show that we can do is talk to, say, a marketing director at a, at a fairly good-sized company who has encountered this marketing situation, this marketing problem, something that changed in the whole marketplace that said, we've got to change everything. That happens sometimes. Um, so they're going to sit down, we're going to talk, and I'm going to ask them questions about, well, how did you ma manage that? How did you overcome that? What were the, who were the people in your, on your staff or your agency who contributed to that? How did you get through it? Through which our listeners who are going to by and large certainly be maybe business owners, but a lot of marketing people um, are going to hear another story about how something came about. You know, a lot of times in marketing language, we have comparisons to warfare. You know, we're going to, we got to target this. We're going to attack from this, through this media until we get to so-and-so date. Um, and there's many others. So it, it's kind of interesting um, that we uh, use that name somebody uh, came up with, but, or helped me come up with, but um, it's, uh, it should be interesting to hear them. And then I will respond and, and maybe talk about a situation that I saw throughout my career. The thing is, I wore so many hats, there's probably not going to be too many things that they're going to bring up that I saw and saw resolved, hopefully, in one form or another. So I'm going to give them some feedback on, on things at, at, that they shared with me. And we hope it's going to be real interesting to the folks tuning in. Well, Tim, it sounds wonderful and fascinating and just what those are going to want to, to hear. And I'm so excited for you. I wish you the best of luck. The Message Man, so excited for your new podcast. And let me ask you a last question. Are you going to have guests on there where people, somebody thinks that they would be a good guest and they've got the skills and the expertise in this industry? Are you going to invite them to be a guest or is it going to be like- I, I am going to invite them to be guests and also, and also probably business owners. 
ah. uh, themselves because it's they have a different perspective than the yeah. say the person from an agency or even their own marketing director. They're going to have a different perspective. They have to think broader than just marketing, although it's certainly a critical element every day. And probably next time, if we talk again, I'll remember the name of the podcast. Uh, well, what is it again? Say one last time. It is. It is right here. It, I because I change it so many times. Your message is your business. Your message is your business by the message man. By the Tim, message man. By the message man. I love it. I love it. Tim, thank you so much. Fascinating story and what a love story at the same time. You've come through the valley and have arrived at the other side, and you're gonna be such an inspiration to so many people and such help. Good luck to you. I know it's gonna be a big hit, and I will be tuning in. Thank, thank you, you, Tim. Aurea. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.